Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, no one ever thinks of Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Gangplank Report. We are recapping episode 16, which Bravo called Sleepless in Croatia, and we are calling You Can't Cry Over Broke Yokes. And Jen, for your rapid recap. It starts off with Lloyd being taken ashore to the hospital. Katie is regretting her choice not to hire a third student now that the deck crew is down a man also. They have an anchored arrival for the guest, and these guests are amazing and have an infectious energy. Matt's food streak is broken with a plate of mad bland fish. We find out Lloyd is okay and under observation, and the doctor confirmed that it was a panic attack. Water sports may not be the guest's strong suit, but they definitely have jokes for days. Matt nails the anniversary dinner and even wound up serving what Ian and Jamel had at their wedding. Late night is an understatement with things wrapping up at 4 a.m. Lloyd is back on board the next day and bringing the goosey. Z gets his golf hustle on. Sandy shines in her strong suit when she takes Lloyd to the side to encourage him. The crew digs deep to find their hidden talents and Katie and Courtney pull off a win in the talent show. Crystal knows a beat when she tastes one, and Matt quickly realizes that he inadvertently lied in his blood-something microgreens or bull's blood beets. Katie is stuck picking up Matt's slack when he crumbles like the non-existent warm cookies and goes to bed early. And we end on breakfast orders threatening to break Matt like he's breaking his yolks. And that's your rapid recap. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So this is not a crazy episode to me. It was, if we're rating them, this was probably a five because there just wasn't a ton of action. I feel like we've actually kind of been on a downhill slope with this since Lexi left, Yeah, to be honest. Like there was a little bit of action with the unfortunate Lloyd situation, but I feel like we're still on kind of a downhill slope with this. Right. And it just doesn't seem like there's really any cliffhangers. Like even at the end of this one, we don't get a cliffhanger for the finale. Right. Which is next week. And usually there's something that's like, you've got to see this finale. Yeah. And we brought this up when Lexi left. Is this going to end the show? Because the drama really was centralized around her. And I don't think it's ended it. I mean, there are cute moments, but it's not must-see TV, I guess is the way that I can put it. And I've seen it with some of our friends on Twitter saying, They're not rushing home to watch it now because it really has become a little bit uneventful. Well, I think that in our super fan interview this week, your daughter nailed it in that Lexi was the show. 
mm-hmm. you know, it was the drama was centered around that. And where do we go from here? Kind of thing. When she said that I love the drama, but I hate the drama, but I love the drama. Mm-hmm. And this season, at least, doesn't feel like it has that much drama. Right. This is where we are now. Exactly. And A, mama didn't raise no dummy. And B, (laughs) she really made me realize, and it's been a little bit of a theme with a lot of our super fans, that even though I like things to be nice and I like people to get along and all of that, it is reality TV and we need something to give us momentum forward. If it's not going to be drama it's got to be some sort of activity. Right now, everything's too even keel and there's no arc to follow, really. It's just kind of a day-to-day and it's become like a boring voyeuristic. You know what I mean? We watch this in some senses to be voyeuristic, see how the other half lives and we're seeing it, but not anything that we haven't seen before. So it's not very compelling. I agree with that. Yeah. And I think that that's probably, I mean, maybe that's why we don't have a cliffhanger for the finale. We still haven't really gotten into this episode yet, but it's a little bit disappointing. I think that we don't have something to really look forward to Mm -hmm. for the finale. Right. We get to see Luca. <laughs> that, that's the, yeah. I'm hanging my hat on that, but it kind of honks me off that we only get to see him for one episode. I was really hoping he was coming in at some point to save the day, but it doesn't seem like that. And why are we like seeing that. him? Is he just coming to say like, hey, I've been in quarantine this whole time and you guys never used me. I'm just coming to say hi. That's kind of the vibe I got from the preview, didn't you? Like, hi, I'm, I'm coming to see Sandy. It was very odd. Like he just wanted to introduce himself or they just, figured he's been quarantined that long let's he's been sitting there getting paid for nothing so yeah let's give this guy a little screen time I don't know what it is I have a feeling I'm gonna be let down by whatever it is and I was ever so hopeful all season long and hanging my hat on this appearance and I think it's gonna be very brief and briefer than Delaney so boo I think the other part of this is the predictability factor that we're seeing because you came up with last week's title, The Wheels Are Falling Off the Bus, and we watched the wheels fall off the bus. And Katie even said this week, the wheels are falling off the wagon. So when you can nail it that hard, as far as what you're going to see, it loses the excitement factor as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, I agree. And I mean, as far as this episode, like, first of all, I'm glad to see that Lloyd is back and that Mm -hmm. he's okay. Me too. And that, and I'm not minimizing this, but it was a panic attack. Like he wasn't having heart trouble or something else more severe. Like it's lucky that it was something that is manageable, I guess. Mm -hmm. I thought Sandy had a good moment in this when she talked to him and brought him off to the side and it wasn't on camera. So it didn't seem like some of the manufactured, what's the word I'm looking for? Mentorship. Mentorship or reputation reparation. Like she wasn't trying to use this situation to her benefit. This seemed to me anyway, like sincere caring and she wasn't worried about getting it on camera She wanted to -to one-on-one, face-to-face with Lloyd, say, you're going to be okay. And if you're not, here's my contact information and you can always reach out to me. And that's the Sandy 
that I enjoyed at the beginning. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, she's not a bad person and she Mm -hmm. has a good heart. And I think that she's got the right idea on some things where her head is. But then we see this other part of it. And I wonder if that's more production stepping in, less Sandy, more production. And that's why there's a disconnect there for me, because I know that she's passionate about yachting. I know that she cares about people, some more than others. And I know lots of captains that show favoritism. Mm -hmm. I just do. And so that's not something that's unique to her. I just, it seems like there's a disconnect for me. And I think that's what becomes really puzzling to me when we watch things like this play out. You're right. It was a good moment for her. Mm -hmm. And if it was that kind of constantly encouraging everybody, I would understand it more than what we've seen. And I get that too. She tends to favor the people who want this to be their career and have no respect for people who don't want it to be. And I think it's that strong vacillation that makes it hard to correlate the two sides because one seems so inclusive and so supportive and one seems so utterly dismissive that you're only valuable if you think exactly like she does. So I think that's probably where a little bit of the disconnect comes in. And it could be just my perception of her passion. And she really does. You're right. She has a passion for the yachting industry. And maybe that's her goal in all of this is the mentorship side and getting people in this in a real life way and not so much about the show. And if she feels like you're about the show, then you're written off. Or if you bond with somebody she's written off, then you're written off kind of thing. Well, and I think that's probably the closest to accurate that we can get with how I feel about this is In reality, not everybody that comes into yachting will stay in yachting. It's an improbability. Right. There are people that come through the industry that are there for a season or two for the experience and great for them. We're glad to have them. And they're necessary on a certain level, especially for a seasonal job like this. They come onto the boat in Palma or in Croatia or in Antibes for a season or two. And then they carry on and go somewhere else. If everybody who came into yachting stayed in it for 10 years, first of all, it would be miserable because there's a lot of people that shouldn't be in the yachting industry that long. (laughs) But it would also not be sustainable because there's a limited amount of positions and we actually function very well with turnover. It's nice to have people with a little bit of experience. It's nice to have people with lots and lots of experience. And if your career path is to become a captain, which is what we see Sandy mentoring people to do, that's what she knows. She's a lot less inclined to mentor somebody on the interior we've seen. Right. And so do what you know. That's what Sandy knows. That's what she's good at. Mm -hmm. So she encourages the people that she can with the knowledge that she has. And I feel like that is to the detriment of other people at times. I agree. I agree. I'm just trying to get my emotions about her back to a more centered, balanced, objective viewpoint, because I was really over the top, not unduly so in my opinion last year, but I need to, I felt like I had justifiable anger with the situation and she didn't seem to be learning anything, 
but what we're here to do is stress the positives. And I do think this was a really positive moment for her. And in my opinion, it was a sincere moment for her and not based on fallout from last year. This is just her genuinely saying, I'm here for you, Lloyd. And that's cool. And she deserves props for that. I agree. And I feel like, yeah, I mean, hopefully next season we'll see more of that. Right. Who knows? Yep. Because we know she's back. So Yes, we do. Okay, moving on to remorse. Ooh, yeah, I was waiting for this. Yep, Katie is finally showing a little bit of remorse. And I do like that she's introspective enough to blame herself and realize that it's her choices that have gotten them here. Yeah. She was standing by them all last episode. And this episode with Lloyd having to leave the boat and the exterior being down a man, she's realizing the ripple effect of what her decision has done to the entire crew. You know, I'm laughing at myself right now. I agree with you. I'm laughing at myself because this reminded me of, I want to say it's a car insurance commercial mm-hmm. where it's like teaching you not to be your parents or something like that. <laughs> and the, the commercial where the person walks by, they're all standing there and the person walks by with blue hair and mm-hmm. they go, don't say it. Don't say it. We all see it. Don't say it. Blue hair. Blue hair. <laughs> like that's what I felt like with this yeah. Katie situation. <laughs> I just like, don't say it. We all see it. Don't say it. It was a bad decision. Don't yep. say it. Blue hair. Like, Blue, yep. that's, that's, that's what I feel funny. like this was, I was just waiting for her to come around where everybody else already is. Right. Yeah. And that's why I want to give her credit, even though I've been railing and saying that this is the stupidest decision she could have possibly made. And it would have been much better to have Delaney stuck down in the laundry. I am glad that she realizes it. It's not going to be helpful for her to realize that she's still going to. But the previews had made it look like she was complaining about the 19 hours in relation to the guests working 19 hours, which got me a little heated against her. Like, this is your fault. But then we see in this episode, she was actually telling that to Matthew because he was being whiny. And she was like, look, I'm working 19 hours. I don't have time to placate your mood. Ego. Yeah, true ego. Exactly. So editing kind of played into my weaknesses a little bit. And I was upset with her, but I ended up not being upset with her because she owned as much of it as she possibly could. And the chick stayed up till 4am two nights in a row and was up by 830. So she really is doing everything she possibly physically can to make up for the choice she made. And I can't fault somebody for that. I mean, on some level, I agree with you. I think that her unwillingness to take on the challenge of Delaney is really at the heart of all of this. And that's what makes it difficult for me because I feel like even if you had just said, look, Delaney, we're just going to stick you in laundry. I'm sorry, this is probably not what you signed up for, but here's where we are. Mm -hmm. That at the very least would have been an improvement over where we are right now. And I've seen a lot of people make that point on Twitter and Reddit and a lot of other places. And it's valid, you know, to be able to just say, I get that you would rather be on deck and that's your specialty and that's unfortunate. But if you have agreed to stay here and do what we need you to do, then this is what the job is right now. 
Exactly. I agree. But I do think she moved on from this in a much better way than what we're getting into next, which is Matt's way of dealing with adversity. Katie realizes that she can't do anything about it now. So she's putting her head down and doing her best to get through it. And conversely, we have our buddy, Matt, who his streak was broken. We talked about that in the rapid recap on a few different levels here, because the first one was the mad bland fish. The second one was him not being aware that bull's blood microgreens are bull's blood beet microgreens. And then the third one is where they ended us with the can't keep a yoke from getting broken to save his life moment. And I think that just amounts to nerves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's already allowed himself to be knocked off kilter. And who knows what it's going to take? Is it going to take another night of him just getting tanked on Rosé to reset? Like, how much do we need to see of him complaining and whining about doing his job? It's like somebody who gets upset that they don't have a perfect attendance score. Right. And to be honest, I felt guilty. Okay, this is going to sound super weird because I'm so hard on the guy, but I did feel guilty watching because I have anxiety. So I understand anxiety, but at the same time, the stuff that he's wigging out about, Katie told him, look, there's nothing you can do about it. It's done. The food's served. Move on. And he just couldn't shake it. And it seemed like minor things. It's not like Crystal went in the galley and went off on him or anything. And Sandy stroked his ego. Katie stroked his ego. Even with the fish being bland on the first round, he had the meal that night, the anniversary dinner that he knocked out of the park. And even somehow by the yacht chef gods or whatever, had him prepare the meal they had at their reception. And so it couldn't have gone better. And at some point, you got to count your wins too, and not just your losses. I don't know. It boggles my mind. Yeah. I just, I mean, I just kind of want to smack him around a little bit to be like, look, it's not that bad. Get over it. Let's move on. Yeah. It's the epitome of mountain out of a molehill every single time. And it's just, it doesn't matter what the criticism is. And I don't know how you can go that far in life. He's not 21. How you can get this far in life and not learn to handle criticism or take it in. Especially in a career that's as subjective as what we do. Exactly. And we've talked about him viewing himself as an artist more than say like line cookish service personnel. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Art is completely subjective. So if that's how he's viewing himself, then you would think it would definitely register the subjectivity involved. Right. You just can't please everybody 100% of the time. And yeah, it's great to have a great record, but champs throughout history have losses. And it doesn't take away from their title belts, their gold medals all of these things, I don't see why he thinks that a failure in a meal and not even an entire meal in one portion of a multi-course meal ruins the whole thing. Like I said, it doesn't make sense to me. I can't fathom it. And I think that's why I have such an issue with him is because most people, I can find a way to have some sort of mental connection with how their thought process works and see it from their point of view. 
And his is just so disparate from mine that I can't even go there. Well, I think that's what, it's that level of insecurity that's just not, that's all it is. It's his level of insecurity. And maybe that's part of what he thinks makes him good at his job is that perpetual hmm, approval seeking. Maybe. And I mean, could you imagine how much messier this season would have been if he had gotten criticism like we've seen other chefs do? Even Ben has had people say, hey, this isn't what we expected or wanted. Right. And rolls right through it. Could you Mm -hmm. imagine if there was, we're at the very end and he's finally getting a little bit of feedback that he doesn't love. Yeah. How much messier would this season have been? And would he have even survived? (laughs) No, I don't think so. I think if he had gotten this kind of criticism earlier on post-camera smackdown, that he would have walked for a third time and we might've gotten Luca, whose food might not have been as good or as complimented but it would have been a completely different show, I think. I think he lucked out. And I don't say that it's all luck. He's obviously got skill. Sandy's a pretty, I would say that she's a good judge of cuisine. I think she's experienced enough of it that I somewhat trust her opinion, barring the Kiko situation. But she's done nothing but rave except for the part about the dark meat on the fish. That's the only thing she's even said. And really, he's gone this whole season without negative feedback. So for you to go that long and for this to pretty much cripple you, because that's what it did. He ended up bailing and going to bed that night and they wanted more food and warm cookies or or some kind of snack. And Katie told him that he went to bed because she knew how wrecked he was over this. And it shouldn't be like that that's yeah his job he's supposed to be able to pick himself up and give them what they want and katie who's already busting her tail to cover her own error in judgment shouldn't have to be running around finding potato chips and cheese dip for them to have some kind of midnight snack i agree yeah it's just disappointing and annoying to watch Yeah. So we're talking about these guests and I feel like we get to see more of these guests than we've seen of almost any guests so far this season. I agree. I love that. And I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Me too. Gosh, Ronnie had me dying. He is a funny dude. Him with the vest and doing the whole crossing guard thing and then him trying to do the water sports and they're so self-deprecating i love that so much about people when people can turn the joke on themselves i just find it hysterical but ronnie was great ian was funny but everybody had jokes it was awesome well, and I think that this is the kind of guest like we don't usually get to see that much of because they're not causing a ton of drama, but I'm grateful for the fact that we got to see them actually having fun. Mm-hmm. They were, and man, they were staying up late. They were having a good time. They were not afraid to say what they thought, but they weren't rude about it. When they had issues, they weren't nasty. They were complimentary when they needed to be. They had a good rapport with the crew. Like when Katie was getting the drink, and Ian was just like, you don't even have a pad and paper. I bet you, what was it, a dollar? I bet you a buck that you're going to get one of them wrong. And she comes back and just proves them wrong and gets all of their orders right. It's fun to see that. I enjoy that aspect of the show when you've got a good group. I only wish they were there longer because they do seem like fun. 
And I agree. And I think that being able to, you know, hopefully this is a message to Bravo that they see that we enjoy people like this group that are having fun and not there to cause drama and actually enjoy the vacation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's fun to laugh along with them. And I know that Malia was kind of not thrilled about the talent show thing, which is weird if you consider previous seasons where she had no problem rapping and being the center of attention for that. It made me, (laughs) this is going to show you how petty I am. It made me wonder if that confessional wasn't after the fact that Katie and Courtney won the talent show. (laughs) 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 that like okay I didn't win for my handstands you know I came in last place so (laughs) my circus acrobatics weren't enough exactly so that's yeah I'm a petty hag whatever but no I really enjoyed these guests I'm looking forward to seeing what next week brings but like I said even when they were not thrilled they delivered in a way that didn't seem nasty or disrespectful I wholeheartedly agree. They were inclusive. They were funny. They were trying to keep the energy up. I could watch guests like this every week. Well, and maybe we will get to see more of that in the future. Who knows? Hope so. So for this, we don't really have a cliffhanger. No. As much. I mean, we might get to see Luca or we do get to see Luca for like 15 seconds. It looks like. Right. Yeah. I mean, they basically just left it with Matt breaking yolks. Some of the stuff that he was putting on the plate, I hope he was throwing that plate, the last plate they showed before they ended it, (laughs) when he said, well, somebody shoot me in the head. I hope that plate was going in the garbage because I think it was originally supposed to be an omelet and it looked like burnt scrambled. So (laughs) I hope he pitches that. But yeah, there's no real cliffhanger. I don't know if we're going to see them in the split house or not. I don't know if they're going to have enough time to finish out because we still have the beach picnic with these. Or maybe they'll do something like they did with the last season of Below Deck Sailing, where they do a little thing at the end where they show what their non-production production production was of them, you know, the confessional with Allie, like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know why I'm here. And then everybody getting along five seconds later, like maybe yeah. it'll be one of those where yeah, that's a good we point. just see some homemade footage of them having a good time together. Yeah. But I can't believe we're already at the end. I mean, I know it's a shorter season by a few episodes, but still it feels like we just started this not that long ago and it's been three whole months. <laughs> And then we have another season to look forward to. Yes, we do coming up. I'm actually excited. I'm getting pumped for it. I hope that people who missed our super fan episode last week will go back and listen so they can meet Captain Sean Meager. He is a super cool dude. He informed us, made us laugh. He's just a good guy. So if you didn't catch that, go back and catch it. As Adrian said earlier, this week, nepotism is alive and well on Gangplank Report. My daughter, Chef Kelsey Sentney, will be our super fan guest this week. But technically, it's not nepotism. It's kind of like Courtney got her stripes because she deserved them, even though there was only two of them. I have three children. Kelsey earned these stripes, and (laughs) I hope Adrian will back me on that. (laughs) It was great. It was actually a lot of fun. Yeah. So catch that on Thursday. And please don't forget to rate, review us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any burning questions for us, please feel free to email us at gangplankreport at gmail.com.
Thanks everybody for listening. We will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to our friends who helped us create Gangplank Report. Down below music and lyrics by Angel Tweeter Frail and Terry Abbott. Performed by Lorelei of Florida. Production assistance by Michael Castaneda. Super fan intro by Blind Lawrence. Cast off me, hearties.